Welcome to Unconventionally Speaking, the PSA podcast where we go behind the scenes to learn about the triumphs and tribulations that help shape the careers of our Unconvention 2022 learning gurus and experienced masters. Not only will you get a sneak peek into their session, you'll also gain valuable insight into the speaking business and tips on how to navigate the challenges and opportunities that lie ahead. Hello, podcast listeners. This is Kim Sealing Smith, CSP, here with Dr. Narrell East, credibility specialist. And not only am I excited about bringing Narrell to the podcast because she is, after all, our incoming PSA president, but she's also somebody that has, I've watched her business trajectory over the last, gosh, 12 or 13 years, Narrell. What do you reckon? It's been a long time for us, hasn't it? It certainly has, Kim, and we are still standing. How about that? Oh, still standing. Absolutely. So, Narrell and I, uh, point of personal privilege, Narrell and I actually attended the same Speakers Academy together at the very beginning of our respective speaking careers, and we got our CSPs on the same night. So, it's been a marvelous, had a marvelous time tracking Narrell's journey and being on the journey with her. So welcome to the podcast, Dr. Narrell East. Thank you so much, Kim. It is absolutely fabulous to be here. And thank you, everybody, for listening. Oh, absolutely. And we've got loads of listeners, as you know. The listens keep going up. The downloads keep going up. And for that, we are grateful to our audience. So as speakers, Narrell, we have to provide show reels to our prospective clients and to the bureaus that we work with. So could you give us a two-minute verbal show reel? What do you normally speak on and how do you wow your audiences? I love this idea of the verbal show reel. So I speak on what I call spotlight situations. So there are times when as leaders, we have to communicate under pressure, the stakes are high and the outcome really matters. So that could be a difficult conversation with a team member or a meeting with a client that's not going so well or even a community meeting or a media conference or interview. So all of those scenarios. So I work with some very senior leaders, but also leaders at all levels of their journey and in all sorts of sectors. Excellent, excellent. And we know that all Hollywood greats have had a secret career before becoming famous. What was yours? What led you to professional speaking? What did you do before you became a professional speaker? Well, get this, Kim. My very first job, I didn't work at Macca's. I played the piano at a tap dancing school. What? <laughs> so I'm dating myself here. I know that. <laughs> Back in the day when they did have pianos and they had live piano players, and it was in this dingy old community hall. I think I was about 16 at the time. And I remember it was the baby tap class. So all these like four and five-year-old kids trying to do tap dancing. And the mothers, they were all mothers at the time who'd, who'd come and sit with their kids, would sit around the piano chain smoking. <laughs> so I would literally sit in this pool of smoke like I was in a you know sleazy nightclub as a 16-year-old. And I reckon to this day, if you said, ready, and I'd be able to bash out on the good ship lollipop without even looking down at my fingers. <laughs> 
So that's where I got my start on, you know, performing. <laughs> but actually, no, really the, the Hollywood great career that you refer to, I worked in radio and television for a very long time. So I'm a journalist. I'm an ambulance chaser at heart. <laughs> Every conceivable news story you can think of on radio and television. So that was my platform for many years before I moved into the next stage of my career and ultimately into speaking. Right, right. And so what made you decide to become a professional speaker? What was that turning point in your life when you went, wow, this looks like a good way to, as work, Mary says, an easy way to make a hard living or a hard way to make an easy living. Sorry, let me quote, let me quote work. <laughs> Isn't that the truth? Isn't that the truth? Yeah, look, I think. <laughs> so what was the turning point for you? Yeah, absolutely. I think for me, was seeing a speaker by the name of Robin Moore. I don't know whether you know Robin's work. Don't. She's been around for many, many years in the speaking world. And she is extraordinary. She's a voiceover artist. In fact, she did the voice in the Blinky Bill cartoon and also in many, many commercials. Right. So I remember I was working in government at the time in a communications role and, you know, you'd go off to lots of conferences and Robin seemed a favorite on the conference circuit. And I really loved her presentations. She was hilariously funny. She'd do all these impressions and her different voice things, but she also just was able to work in so much poignancy and emotion. And so she would literally have us laughing, crying, laughing, crying, and then with powerful messages. And I thought, wow, you know, I'd worked in TV for a long time. As I said, I was used to presenting in front of an audience, but I thought, this is so amazing in front of a live audience, being able to take people on such a journey and deliver a powerful message that's going to make an impact on them in their life. I want a piece of that action. Right. So that really was what got me thinking. And it wasn't until I heard of PSA, Professional Speakers Australia, then called something else, uh, that I thought, wow, this is actually a thing. It's a thing. <laughs> There's actually a peak body. This is real. And I started to think seriously about, you know, with my background, this is something that I could do. Right, right. Okay. And so was it just a flick the switch or was it a gradual journey for you? Look, it was a gradual journey, but I mean, I've always been a performer. <laughs> I've always done a lot of amateur theatre. I've, You know, even back when I was a kid, we had to you know, we'd go to my grandmother's house every Sunday. And we'd have to get up and do a turn. You know, we'd have to perform something. So, I, you know, I've always been a performer. I've always been in front of an audience. So really a natural progression. But I think once I discovered that this was actually a business opportunity, then over the course of the next few years, that began to kind of take seed. And I found myself in Speakers Academy with you, <laughs> with other, you know, new speakers. And that was really the start of the serious journey to professional speaking. Yeah. And clearly you've been in this for over a decade and no speaker's journey is a, well, nobody's journey, let's face it, is a smooth journey. We have peaks and valleys. And I think in our industry, we may, you know, the peaks may be higher and the valleys may be a little bit lower. So was there ever a time when you just thought, ah, oh, you know, did I make the right decision? Is this really the right career, the right journey for me? Was there ever a time when you maybe wanted to chuck it all in? Well, surprisingly, yes. <laughs> and I'm sure many of your podcast guests will be answering in the same vein. Yeah, so probably, look, I, I had to put a time on it, probably about seven or eight years ago. You know, as a speaker, it's a very competitive industry. You've got to be at the top of your game. Yes. And you've also got to be a great networker and salesperson. You've got to know the right people. And 
I just became a little disconcerted that on the selling side, I wasn't as strong. And, you know, looking at people who seem to be, it's the old compare and despair. It's kind of the, you know, the fast track to heartache, looking at other people and thinking, you know, they seem to be doing so much better than me. And yet I think on the platform, I can match their skills. So what is it about me? What am I doing wrong? Why aren't people booking me? And yeah, that was a pretty dark time. But the turning point for me was actually at a PSA convention, which is why you have to book for unconvention. We'll get to that. Absolutely. Where I heard a speaker talking about this idea of feeding a starving crowd, that as a speaker, as an expert in your field, you need to identify your starving crowd. Who are the clients who are you know, figuratively starving for your message? And that's what set me on the journey to creating my own community of people who really resonated with my message. And that has led to me creating a really successful online community, which is in fact what I'll be sharing at Unconvention. Yes. So that dark time was the turning point. And yes, I'm happy to say these days I do get a lot more bookings and I don't feel, you know, I'm not despairing anymore looking at other people, but I also had this fabulous income stream. Yeah. That one piece of advice that I got at convention was able to give me. And that's what I've found as well. You walk away from conventions sometimes with 17 different things, most of which, you know, at least in my case, I don't implement, but it's that one golden nugget. It's that one golden nugget that if you do that, it can really change the trajectory. So I'm assuming it's been worth it then doing that and taking that that piece of advice and going forward. And I know you well enough to know that you are constantly doing something to, you know, as Stephen Covey used to say, sharpen the saw. You're constantly doing professional development. You're working with two or three different coaches and mentors at any given point in time. And tell us a little bit about that. And specifically what I'm interested in is I've seen you up level several times over the last 12 or 13 years. What has been your methodology, if you will, if you're at a level and you feel like you're stuck either income-wise or craft-wise or mindset-wise, what has been your methodology to get unstuck and to come up to that next level, achieve that next level? Yeah, it's a great question, isn't it? And you're right, I'm a learning junkie, but I, you know, I'm, I'm proud of that. I learn something new every day. And I say this to my clients, even in my field, communication, credibility, you know, I've been, I've been a practitioner for four decades now, goodness me. But I learn something every day and I learn from my clients every day. And I wonder if those of you listening can relate to that. So I think that I always have an open mind to learn. And then I'm very determined about applying what I've learned. But to your specific question about getting stuck and what do I do, I think a breakthrough for me was way back before I was speaking and it actually involved a personal situation. I had a terrible relationship breakup and I, we can, you know, play the violins at this point <laughs> and I can, and I won't go into the sob story. It was pretty rugged and I really was at rock bottom, really at rock bottom in terms of my self esteem and my confidence. And, you know, it, it just does go to show what can happen when you give your power to somebody else and just, you know, have no faith in yourself. And I really was in a terrible place. And, I started to just kind of look around and I started to to look at some, you know, self-help books and some things that might get me through that. And that was really the first time I realized, you know, as an adult, that actually I get to call the shots on what happens next. 
how I think and what I choose will determine my future, not external factors. Yes, of course, they come into play. But that was really my first introduction to that whole school of thought, which might be glaringly obvious for everybody listening to this. But at that stage for me, this is about 20 years ago or so, I'd never heard of that before, that I could actually shape my thoughts. Yes. And I can actually take the power back. And that was profound for me. And I remember the best part of all, Kim, this is several months on, I did a lot of work on myself and I re- people were starting to comment on, you're different. Oh, isn't that great? You know, you've got a new vibrancy about you and my life started to take a completely different trajectory. And I was able to email that person who dumped me so unceremoniously and sincerely thank him for giving me the greatest gift that he could have done. And I would have loved to have seen his face when he opened that. But anyway, it was completely true. I'm sure. So that methodology, I think I've carried through every day that we never have to be a victim. You know, I know when COVID hit initially, there were so many of us feeling like we were victims and having a terrible time of it. And even in the most recent iteration of the pandemic. And I think my experience back then has enabled me to say, look, this, this is, this sucks. It's a terrible situation. And now what am I going to do with it? What are the choices I have? How can I move back up above the line? Cause I'm not going to stay there. Yeah. I'm only going to be there momentarily. I've got the choice to move forward. There are always options. There are always choices. We don't ever need to to feel stuck. And I think that I learned that lesson back then, and I've been able to apply that every day since. So talk to us a little bit about your COVID journey. Obviously, you were in Adelaide with many, many of us when COVID first hit. It was, you know, the 13th of March, 2020, and it was a Friday. Yeah. Nobody seems to get that irony like I do, but Friday the 13th. (laughs) I get it. Our world changed. Our world changed. What has the journey been like for you over the last two years? How have you pivoted, the word that everybody within our community hates, but how have you pivoted? How have you changed your business? What has it been like for you? Sure. I count myself as very fortunate because, look, like everybody else, my phone was going ping, ping with gigs being cancelled. And I had some really good gigs lined up in 2020 that I'd worked so hard to, you know, to line up. However, about three years ago, I'd made a conscious decision through work I was doing with various coaches to take about 50% of my business online. So I was running programs on Zoom. So you were ahead of us. I was definitely ahead, definitely ahead. The rest of the sector's caught up now, which is great. But that really COVID-proofed my business, I have to say. So yes, I definitely took a hit in terms of the live speaking, but I was already set up. I was already running. So while everybody else was running around going, what's this Zoom and how does it work? I was well experienced in running big events, breakout rooms, multiple things going on. And also what I found because of my TV background, I was getting a lot of requests from clients for help with coaching in on-camera skills. Because, of course, they were now communicating on Teams, on Zoom, and they didn't have a clue. And so the kind of executive coaching arm of my business, which I'd never really actively pursued, really took off. And I was working with some amazing clients, some very senior leaders in Australia whose names you would know if I said them, on some big projects, helping them to communicate with credibility through the camera. I actually had my best year in business in 2020 because of that work. And I'm extremely grateful for that. And so I definitely believe in the power of diversifying. I know there are other PSA members who I greatly respect who have a different business model. And that's 
Fantastic. With me, spreading the risk has definitely paid off and has been extremely helpful these last two years. So I want to pull on the diversifying thread for a minute because, you know, the definition of speaking as a profession has been widening really for the last couple of decades. You know, certainly since you and I joined PSA, it's been getting broader and broader and broader. And certainly with COVID, it's gotten even more broad. So what are the various ways that you now reach your audiences. You've got, I know you've got an online community. I'm going to talk to you more about that because that's what you'll be leading us through at Unconvention. But what are the various ways that you add value, make an impact and interact with your clients and provide your services? Yeah. So I guess that there are different levels. So yes, there is the pure speaking from the platform. That's been a little difficult over the last two years, but it's certainly having a resurgence. I also deliver various forms of masterclasses that can vary from two hours to two days in person or online. And I've been doing a lot of those online. So I do a lot of work in things like, you know, executive media skills, media interviewing techniques because of my journalistic background. Yeah. Communicating with influence, even writing in plain language. I do a lot of work with government departments because boy, do they need help there. So that is that side of things. Then there's the coaching side. So I've got group coaching programs and I do do some one-on-one, but I, I, I tend to reserve that for, you know, select clients because it does take a lot of time. And then through my online community, I've got, you know, really I just use I use Facebook. It's pretty basic. But within that, I do a lot of Facebook lives. I do a lot of, I still call them webinars because to government clients, that makes sense. I know a lot of people have a you know allergic reaction to that term. So constantly doing things like that, I think that probably covers the main thing, kind of speaking, masterclasses, coaching, one-on-one, group, and traditional speaking. Excellent, excellent. So talk to us about the online community. It sounds like you started building this online community, and you've got quite a following in this, as I understand. So tell us what prompted you to start building your online community and sort of the journey that it's taken you on. Sure. So this really comes back to that feed a starving crowd message that I heard at that convention, you know, seven or eight years ago. And I started looking around. So as a communication professional, once when I left the media, I spent many years working in local government, which is a fantastic sector, often maligned, misunderstood, undervalued, but an incredible sector to work in. And so I really got to see, you know, how, how tough it is, particularly managing the way councils communicate. When I started my business, I was also doing a lot of consulting to various councils. When I heard that message about feeding a starving crowd, I thought, you know, communication professionals working in local councils are my starving crowd. I completely get their world. In fact, I used to be on the executive committee of the peak body for that group, which fell over because we were all volunteers. And I thought, you know, I can reinvigorate that group, but now I can run it as part of my business. And so that's how the Local Government Communication Professionals Network was born. Right. And as I say, it's a free Facebook group, but the thing is, it's very niche. So I only let people in who are employed by a local council and who are working in a communication role. And I get lots of people asking to join other communication professionals, random people from all sorts of countries. I don't let anybody else in because it's the niching of it that makes it so special. And I've got now my, the people in there, I've got about 750 people. So numbers wise, it's not enormous, but it's the quality because they're exactly my, my target market. 
Yeah. Anybody in that group, and they do every day, will ask questions. You know, I, I need help with this, or has anybody got a template for this? And nine or 10 people from other councils will immediately help them. And I, it's wonderful. I can just sit back and watch this beautiful community. And occasionally I'll dip in, of course, and I do Facebook Lives and I do my webinars. But it's really created a kind of peer-to-peer community. So, you know, they certainly look to me for guidance, but they're helping each other. And as I say, from that, I run a live event hopefully in person in 2022, and then group coaching, I mean, mastermind programs as well. So is, is that the free, is your online community the free feeder program for your paid services? Correct. Right. Okay. So you don't monetize the community itself, but that is your feeder program. That's right. And look, I've had business coaches over the years, years saying, you know, you really need to be charging. In my world, these are employees of local councils. Yes. The hassle it would take to go through their finance system, their procurement system to do that because they're just not geared up for that kind of monthly payment into a community, it's not worth it. I prefer to keep that free so that it's attractive to them to join because then it's very easy to market people because I'm continually giving value. I run a monthly webinar, which is also free. It's all about giving value, giving value, giving value. And then when you make the offer for my annual summit, it's a no-brainer because they've got so much value. They know they're going to get enormous value. I put so much love and focus into crafting the program so that it's exactly meeting their needs that it's very easy then to get registrations. And then from there, I then make an offer to certain people to come into my Inner Circle coaching program. And I get amazing high caliber people in that group. I've just started my fourth cohort. It's been going for four years, the coaching program. Oh, wow. And the big summit has been going for six. I'm looking forward to an in-person event again. Yes, definitely. I think we all are. So give us a sneak peek into what you will be leading us through during unconvention. Yes. So my session is really around that the methodology of setting up that online community because This is something that many speakers and many experts could potentially do if you can find that right niche. It doesn't need to be expensive or using sophisticated technology. I'm a great believer in just keeping it simple. For me, it just works. And it's also about persistence. You know, the first year we had a reasonable response to the summit. The second year we had a better response and it's just grown and grown. So I'll be sharing some of the practical things that I've done. But of course, this is unconvention. So this is not me preaching from the pulpit. There'll also be opportunity for everybody in the session to share what they've done, their experiences in this space, or what they like to learn, what the possibilities and the opportunities might be for them. And that, who knows, might be their one thing that they leave with that then goes on to open up a magnificent income stream that's really making a difference to their clients. Yeah, is that golden nugget for them. So what other than your session, what else are you excited about for Unconvention? Look, I just, I love convention every year. So right back to the days when, you know, I started with PSA with you, Kim, I've never missed a convention. It's been just a no-brainer in my calendar And so I think it's just that opportunity. I just get so excited about being there in the room. There's so many amazing sessions and speakers. And what I love about the program this year that you've crafted is that we're going to get access to the recordings of all the other sessions. Because I know even in a live event, when we go off to separate rooms, 
you wish you could, you know, clone yourself three ways sometimes. Oh, no. <laughs> and then when you come back at lunch and everybody's going, oh, dude, you should have been in that session. And, you know, you're thinking, oh, have serious FOMO because you weren't in there. Well, we're not going to have to do that this time. We'll actually have access to everything. Exactly. So I think that's a pretty fair exchange for doing it online. Look, yes, we'd all love to be in a live room together, but it's the right decision. It's a sensible decision and it's going to be amazing. Yeah. It, and it was a tough decision, you know, because you were involved in that decision. Yeah. It was a tough decision because everybody craves that connection. But I think more than connection, we need certainty in these uncertain times. And the only way that we could provide certainty was by making that decision. But you know some of what we're planning, uh, and we can't reveal it because some of it is a surprise. But I'm completely excited about it. So speaking of the future, take us out 10 years. Where do you think the speaking industry will be in 10 years? Will we all be holograms standing on stage? Will, will people be interacting with us through VR headsets? Will we still be meeting in rooms? What, what do you see? You know, I'd love to know along with you. My crystal ball's not really telling me anything too clear, and I think we need to look to uh, futurists like uh, Michael McQueen to help us here. But I'm pretty certain that whatever technology we're using, we will still crave that human connection. And so I don't think the actual vehicle is going to matter as much as that ability to be able to relate, to be able to create connection and rapport with your audience, whether you're, you know, communicating through a chip in your forehead right, or whatever it happens to be. God forbid. I don't know, but it's, you know, at the end of the day, we are humans communicating with humans. Sometimes we forget that. And sometimes a lot of people on Zoom and Teams over the last two years have forgotten that. The vehicle is secondary to that ability to create connection. And I think that's not going to go away in 10 years. But I'd love to see what the vehicles look like. It's pretty exciting. I know it is. And I think there are, I love the number three. I was born on the 3rd of July, which in the States means something because my birthday is a two-day celebration and they have fireworks for me, <laughs> which is just wonderful. But I love the number three. And I, I always think in threes. And the threes that I think in, in terms of the industry that we're in, is connection engagement and experience. And regardless of what the vehicle is, what the platform is, if you can deliver on those three things, you can get to the highest levels within our industry. And it's exciting. It's really exciting to see what the future holds. The last question that I have about the future, and you can choose to answer or not answer if it is privileged information, but you know, I'd waste the opportunity if I didn't ask you this question. As our incoming president for 2022, what's in store for PSA? What can you tell us about what's in store for PSA? Look, we've got a really exciting year ahead. And thanks for asking, Kim. The reason we're not talking about it a lot right now is that we really want to leave the stage clear for unconvention. We don't want anybody to miss out on, on registering for unconvention. And so there'll be time to unveil our program. But what I can say is we've really been looking carefully at the value that PSA provides to its members, and we want to provide uh, extra value in 2022 and beyond. So that will include things like a national program of really high-quality online events, short, sharp, sweet gems of wisdom that don't take up all of your day that will be included in your membership. Yes, those sessions will be available to guests at a fee, but 
you'll get significant value and saving by joining PSA for those who are eligible Great. to be able to attend those sessions alone. Great. So that's just one of the things we're looking at. Also other programs, we've got a fabulous new program called CSP Pathway that's going to be helping our wonderful professional members move forward on their journey so that they can become certified speaking professionals, which is our highest designation. So many of them uh, absolutely have got the goods. It's just helping them take that last step to get there. And so really looking forward to welcoming uh, lots more CSPs in the future. So that's a fabulous program. They're just a couple of things. Oh, that's exciting. So I think let's get Unconvention uh, you know, underway and have a fabulous event. And so, you know, if you're on the fence considering registering, what are you waiting for? Just get your registration in and then you'll hear about all these other uh, fantastic opportunities that will be happening from April onwards. Absolutely. Absolutely. And yes, Unconvention will be taking place on the 25th and 26th of March. And as Narrell said, we are recording everything. There will be multiple streams. We have well over 30 speakers booked now. It's only two days, multiple streams, and you will have access to everything. So there will be no FOMO. We will be networking. We will be having contests and fun and games. And there may be even the occasional dance party. Who knows? We're still, we're still planning that, but it will be an online experience like you've never seen. Nero, before I let you go, we have a series of rapid fire questions. Are you ready? I am ready. I am primed and ready. Excellent. Okay. Favorite online platform? Look, it has to be Zoom, and I reckon pretty much everybody's saying that. Yes, absolutely. I agree. Favorite tech hack? Look, I think Ecamm, not so much for live things. I have a lot of trouble with Ecamm and Zoom, but let's not go into that. But for pre-recorded videos, it's fantastic. You can pre-do your graphics and record it all like it's a live experience and cuts down on the editing time. Love that. Oh, I agree. I couldn't agree more. And I can help you with Ecamm for live experiences as well. We'll talk offline. Awesome. Favorite productivity hack? I love a little platform called Small PDF. Great for converting PDF to Word and shrinking down large PDFs. And it lets you do two documents a day before you've got to go to the paid platform. So that's just one of those things where you think, oh, I need to get into this PDF and get this information. You can just feed it into that and it'll spit it out in Word so that you can play with it. Small PDF. Oh, I wrote that down. I am definitely going to check that one out. Favorite meal? Oh, salmon. I love Beautiful salmon and steamed vegetables. Kind of plain, but my favorite. Oh, nice. Now, one of my best clients is tassel salmon. So, yep. Favorite holiday spot? So many, so many. I'm lucky enough to be married to a man who competes at international level in ocean surf ski paddling. So pre-COVID, we would travel to all these magnificent places because, you know, he needs a bag carrier to go with him. (laughs) Of course. So we were going to Mauritius every year for a big international race. So I miss my annual holiday in gorgeous Mauritius. So I'm looking forward uh, first to going, going back there. I can see why. Wine, beer, gin, vodka, or tequila? It's got to be bubbles every time, Kim. Oh. I guess that's wine, but with bubbles in it. Love the champers. Wine with bubbles. <laughs> wine with bubbles. Excellent. If you could have a dinner party with any three people in the world, living or dead, who would they be? Love this question. 
First up, Freddie Mercury. I've idolised Freddie since I was 13, so not in all the remakes, the original Queen story. And I used to tell Freddie's story in my keynotes long before they made it into a movie because I just think he's just an, such an inspirational character when you learn more about his, just his inner drive and his vision and how a skinny kid with buck teeth just did what he did. The second one would be Margaret Thatcher, and that's not just because I won the PSA New South Wales Christmas Party competition for impersonating Margaret Thatcher a few years ago. I remember that. I remember that. (laughs) I just think she would be so interesting for a woman of her time, how groundbreaking, even though may not agree with all of her policies, but just as a woman who just did incredible things. And I think the third person would be my grandfather, Jack Partridge, who passed away at the age of 90 when I was in my 20s. I remember he finally had to go into a nursing home and he would complain that, I don't like it, it's full of old people. (laughs) (laughs) He just had so much energy and zest for life and I wish that I had mined his stories. I know that he had so many great stories, but I never really spent the time to, to hear his stories. So I'd love to do that now so that I can actually hear all of his stories and document them. So they'd be my three. Well, I certainly know where you get your zest for life and energy from. It comes by you naturally. That uh, connects some dots for me. And last question, favorite book or podcast for professional inspiration? Yeah. So my favorite podcast is Mind Your Business by James Wedmore. James is an American entrepreneur, It's just a wonderful combination of what he calls the woo-woo stuff. So he talks a lot about spirituality and mindset and all of that, but he's an amazing entrepreneur and he's been, I've done many of his programs, he's been a fantastic mentor and coach to me in really helping me level up the online side of my business, which, uh, as I said earlier, has helped me COVID-proof what I do. Yeah, excellent. Naraleast, it is always a pleasure talking to you. Thank you for coming on the podcast today and for sharing your words of wisdom with our listeners. I look forward to seeing you at Unconvention. Thanks, Kim. I will be there and I hope everybody listening is there as well. Bye for now. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Unconventionally Speaking. We have over 30 unspeakers of this caliber at Unconvention on the 25th and 26th of March. So grab your seat today. Just click the link included in the show notes. And if you enjoyed this episode, please share it with someone that you know who would also get value from this conversation. And follow or subscribe to the show to ensure that you never miss an episode. See you all at PSA Unconvention 2022. This episode is sponsored by Your Podcast Concierge, podcast production for speakers who want to increase their authority and generate leads from their show. You press record and let them do the rest. And to this, I can personally attest. 